and off, and everybody knows about that glow. It's real. And yet, of all palpable stars, she is the last to place a boorish insistence on her status. Some big stars, such as Vanessa Redgrave and Helen Mirren, are perfectly charming and approachable people, but even in those two cases, the portcullis will descend at a moment of crisis. They become elevated and remote. Maggie is unusual in that she behaves at all times as if she has no power or status whatsoever. On the night of her second son Toby's professional stage debut in Tartuffe in 1991 at the Playhouse in Charing Cross, she stood unostentatiously in the foyer, sipping a glass of champagne with screenwriter Beverly Cross, her second husband, impervious to the first night throng and totally unrecognized. At the same time, Maggie Watchers knew that the Do Not Disturb signs were up. Paradoxically for a show-off, Maggie Smith chisels away at her work with the monastic dedication of the instinctive recluse. In a golden age of British acting, she is distinctly quiet and invisible, even compared to such leading peers as Vanessa Redgrave, who is three years younger, and Judy Dench, who is just three weeks, nineteen days older. She rarely appears on television as herself, gives very infrequent, guarded interviews to the press, lends her name to no causes, well, very few. The Oxford Playhouse, her alma mater, is one. Her signature to no petitions, her prestige to no boards of directors. Life is difficult enough without the hassle of good works and deeds, and the pettiness of the theatre, the rapacity of the film companies, and the vanity of acting, you feel, are phenomena Maggie just lives with, as the price she pays for the demon within. The stage director, Peter Wood, who has known her all her working life, says that psychological shingles is what she's got, an inflammation of the personality ends. The Oscar-winning costume designer, Anthony Powell, is reminded of Flayed anatomy, with those missing layers of skin stripped away to show the formature of muscles and bones. She is more scared of being touched and hurt than anyone I know. The stage offers security in spite of all its dangers. In the theatre, Maggie forfeits her individuality in a curious distillation of her personality, and at last knows who she is, what she should wear, and to whom she must speak. Offstage, she is beset with confusion and indifference on all these points. Or at least, that is the appearance. Dealing with her gift is the spine of her life, according to the actor Brian Bedford, one of her favourite leading men, and nothing much else interferes with that task. She worries endlessly at a text, like a dog at a bone, not to find a new laugh, nor to perfect a new trick, but to make a line, a passage, and then the whole play come alive again. She's renowned for never ceasing to dig and delve in her texts. In rehearsals, she will habitually withdraw from the company coffee break and be found poring over the script at the back of the room. Even on the last night of a run, she will sit in her dressing room, transfixed over her script, puzzling out what else it might contain. The director, William Gaskell, who worked with her in the early days at the National, and is one of her most trusted colleagues, says that Laurence Olivier would arrive at rehearsal with his performance intact, deliver it like a gift, and adjust it thereafter if necessary. Maggie never has anything finished before she starts.
he says, which is why rehearsing with her is so exciting. And unlike many actors half her age, she still practices her scales and arpeggios. Red lorry, yellow lorry is a drama student's articulation exercise, repeated fast ad infinitum she has never stopped using, like a trusty old toothbrush. She is fanatical about not putting on weight. She trains like a dancer. Any attempt to place Maggie in the annals of British acting is bound to consider her alongside Judy Dench and Vanessa Redgrave. Those two were left to contest the crown of Peggy Ashcroft when Glenda Jackson departed the scene to pursue a life in politics as a Labour MP. Dench and Redgrave are, in a way, the Gladys Cooper and Sybil Thorndike of our day, while Maggie is certainly the Edith Evans. She has had notable success in many of Edith Evans's roles. Millamant, Mrs. Sullen, Rosalind, Cleopatra, Judith Bliss, and is the nearest we come to the idea of the chair.